Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Just head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up and use our promo code believe b l e a v to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts all right here we go it's time uh for those of you who are watching uh on youtube or if those of you that are listening uh our co-host alonzo is on assignment and our other co-host the lovely Alicia Del Valle is also on assignment, but holding down the fort on this episode is Babyface and myself. So the show doesn't stop. We make sure we're providing content for you guys. So let's start off with a recap of that homestand. Babyface, how pissed were you? Uh, or not? I know you were pissed, but were you freaking out after the first three games of the Philly series? Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, what is going on? I mean, every, you know, I expected, okay, you know, they might lose one or two in that in that series. You know, they come back and they win the last game. But every game, it seemed like they scored in the first inning, right? The Phillies yeah. got a couple runs in the first inning. And it was like, what is going on with the pitching? You know, and, and it wasn't just, you know, stringing some hits or whatever. They were giving up home runs, like, in that first inning. And, yeah. and, get, and it was pretty, you know, two, three runs in that first inning and then, and it was constant. It was like the first game, then the second game, the third game, even the fourth game. It's like, yeah. what is going on? I mean, that that's what kind of got me frustrated and kind of worried. Like what is going on with the pitching? Like what happened to the pitching? Well, I mean, look, we talked about this on a previous episode and what was, and I know you said I have brujo skills, but here's the thing. This is what I was worried about. I did not expect the Dodgers pitching staff to get off to that great start. I mean, before that Philly steer- series, they were the number one pitching staff in all of Major League Baseball. I knew that wasn't going to be sustainable, especially when you, the end of the rotation, and then once Kershaw went down. But my biggest concern was that the pitching was carrying them, and then what What happens then? The hitting starts coming around, but now they're giving up six or seven runs, and now they got to score eight or nine runs to win a game. And that's almost what happened in that Philadelphia series. So as concerning as it was to see guys like Bueller, to see guys like Urias get lit up. I mean, Tyler Anderson, I think he was due. I mean, Tyler Anderson was pitching really well up until that Philadelphia. Do you think that's who Tyler Anderson was? Did you expect to have Tyler Anderson pitch like that for the whole season? Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, when I heard they got Tyler Anderson, you know, I kind of remembered who Tyler Anderson was or, or, or has been, and I haven't really been spec- expecting that much of him. You know, so when he got lit up, I'm like, okay, that's probably what Tyler Anderson is. But, I mean, he's been pitching pretty good. I mean, he just pitched, you know, a couple of days ago as well, and, and you know, he I think he gave up gave up a home run right in the first inning. But yeah. after that, after that, you know, he – I think he went seven innings. So yeah. I mean, you got seven from Tyler Anderson. So it's like, okay, I mean, if he can do that, <laughs> you know, night in, night out, I mean, I think, yeah, he's definitely something I didn't expect to, to get that from Tyler Anderson, you know. So, I mean, I know, you know, they're going to have their bad starts. You know, Julio's going to have a bad start here and there. Walker's going to have a bad start here and there. 
Um, I mean, it's a little concerning with Walker. He's kind of had a couple bad starts. You know, even his last start, he just went five. Um, so he hasn't kind of gotten to where we kind of expect Walker Bueller to be at. I mean, he even went from his from his tight pants to his loose pants. So he, you know, he's trying to do everything he can to kind of get himself back to where he needs to be. Well, and you know, I find it really interesting because last year, you know, Walker got off to that early start and usually Walker Bueller has been a slow starter. We've heard him talk about that. He uses the first half of the season to, as kind of his spring training to work himself into form. Last year, he started off really hot, but I feel like towards the end of the year, it caught up with him. So I'm wondering if Bueller is maybe pacing himself again this year, and maybe that's why he hasn't been as sharp, that he's still working some kinks out. I mean, that being said, yes, they lost the first three games, but that Thursday night game and that Friday night game, they could have won. The Phillies came back Thursday night and beat them in the ninth. So as horrendous as a pitching performance as it was, those games were winnable games, those first two games. Those, the Dodgers very easily could have won three out of four in that series, even though the Dodgers didn't play well. Because not only was the pitching uh, not sharp, but the defense, and the defense I think has been suspect all season, but a lot of the defense led up to unearned runs that really bloated that run total for the Phillies in that. So what I found really interesting was those first two games were winnable. If the Dodgers end up winning three out of four in that series, do we make a big deal? What I find to be a very interesting trend that's going on on this season is whenever the Dodgers lose, we have to find somebody that we can point the fingers at. And in that, in those first two games, it was Dave Roberts. I mean, you, it was all over the place, right? Dave Roberts blew this. What is Dave Roberts doing? Either because he didn't hook, he didn't pull Tyler Anderson early enough or other de- in-game decisions. What do you think about that? I mean, that's pretty much every game. Dodgers lose a game, it's Dave Roberts' fault. You know, Dodgers win a game, it's, you know, whoever – you know, did something good in that game, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, whoever. So it's always, it's always on Roberts. Um, you know, the first couple of games, I saw it on Twitter, like all over the place. Oh, you know, Roberts did this. I mean, what did he do? I mean, cause he kept Julio in for like, you know, six innings or whatever, or Anderson in for, I mean, they had a depleted bullpen. They couldn't, they couldn't, you know, go to the bullpen early. They knew, you know, they, they're going to have all these games. They had the doubleheader coming up. So they had to kind of, have these guys kind of take it for the team. And, you know, and it's not, like I said, it's not Roberts that's out there giving up the bombs. It's not Roberts out there that's making the errors. So it's like, I don't, I still don't understand that when people say like, it's Dave Roberts. He doesn't know how to manage this team. He doesn't know how to, I mean, you get like, he doesn't know how to motivate this team. He doesn't know how to, basically he doesn't know how to do anything. Right. You know, and this is Dave Roberts is, the winningest manager in, in baseball. The thing we mentioned that in baseball history right now, he has the highest win percentage, you know, win, highest win percentage. And I know the haters are going to say, well, look at the team he has or whatever. Well, obviously, okay, look at the team he has. So they're winning games and they're losing games, right? So you can't put everything on Roberts. It's, it just doesn't work that way. No, I, I've always heard this adage, and it, of course it's obviously true, but you need talent to win. Even those teams that are underdog teams that end up winning championships, they have talent. I, I, I can't think of one example of a team winning that absolutely had no talent. Like always, with a manager, they either get too much credit or they don't get enough credit. But I did find it very interesting that Dave Roberts was the whipping boy in those first two games in the Phillies series. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of times you hear is, Oh, he's not putting them in situations to succeed. I mean, these are professional baseball players. I mean, I think any of them will tell you, hey, if you put me in the eighth, ninth, whatever, to do my job, I need to succeed, right? It doesn't matter where they put you in. If you're a professional baseball player playing at this level, you're, you are expecting of yourself to go out there and succeed. Is it going to happen every time? No, of course not. You're going to fail, you know, every so often. I mean, baseball is a game of failure. Right. You know, if you, if you hit, you know, if you get three hits out of 10 at bats, you're a 300 hitter. I mean, three out of 10, that sounds really bad. Right. But you're a Hall of Famer. Right. If you do that yeah. your entire career. So 
of course guys are going to fail. They're going to be put in there. You know, Dave Roberts is going to think, okay, you know, if I bring in, you know, Kimbrough for the eighth or the ninth, you know, he expects them to succeed and, and that player expects themselves to succeed. And like I said, it's, it's most of the time it does happen, but you know, there's going to be times where it doesn't happen. You know, it's interesting. You, you brought up Kimbrough. I, I want to change gears real quick and talk about how he's being used. Do you find it odd that he goes through such long periods of time without getting any work. And I get it. People are going to sit there and they go, well, they had a five run lead in this game. And that's kind of how this team has been. They either win by a lot, but not until recently have they had close uh, one run games that they've actually won. But there are times where I find myself scratching my head going, gosh, it's really been five days since Kimbrell has pitched. Like, don't you think that is a, that affects Kimbrell? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back at how he's been used, yet yeah, when he, uh, when the games that he has been off for, you know, a few days, it's because they've won games where they haven't needed him. So he hasn't had that consistent work where it's like, you know, the one run lead, two run lead, whatever going. In. It's been they're usually up by you know four or five runs where it's no longer a safe situation, and he's not getting the work. And you know, when he's come in, you kind of see it. He's still a little rusty. I mean, yeah. He probably has a handful of appearances. I mean, since spring training to right yeah. now, you know, you know, more than you know, month and a half into the season, we're getting there. And he's probably been in what, maybe ten times. That we Exa- yeah. I, excuse me. It was just something that was brought to my attention that I was like, oh wow, that that is true. I mean, it's got to affecting him, but yet he still hasn't blown a save. I mean, how many people would have thought, okay, who's going to be the first person to blow safe, Kimbrell or Kenley Jansen? Well, we got our answer the other day because Kenley Jansen blew a save against the Milwaukee Brewers. So I, I get it that Kimbrell makes people nervous because he's always pitching, it seems, with traffic on. But I am curious how much of that is because he's not as sharp. And it's just the way they've been using this bullpen. I, I find it very interesting. And I get it because Kimbrell is your closer. But there's periods that you don't see Kimbrell, but yet Daniel Hudson seems to pitch every other day. Brewstar seems to pitch every other day. And and those are guys that, that have had some rough moments, but they come back and they bounce back. And I wonder if they bounce back because they have that consistent work. While Kimbrell is just like, hey, take five days off, man. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're gonna, you, you see that rustiness when he comes out. I mean... And two, another thing that I've noticed with Kimbrell too, and it's kind of odd too that he's kind of uh, there's been games where he's gotten looks like he's gotten he's been getting squeezed a bit. I remember yeah. in Colorado, and then on this homestand, it looked like there was he he's getting squeezed, and and then either that player gets on, and then somebody hits a home run or something. But there's been instances like that where it just hasn't gone right for him, and then something some happens right after that. Well, I think it's also one of those things that as fans, we need to take, we need to pay attention to this. And that is, you you know, Gagne brought this up when we had him on the show, when he was facing Barry Bonds. And he's just like, look, if I got a one run lead, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after you. So I I think it's one of those things that I think you, especially me, I lose sight of it when I'm watching a game that these guys are pitching differently depending on what their lead is. I think when Kimbrell comes in and he's got a three-run lead, he's being more aggressive. And then, yeah, that's when all of a sudden he gives up a two-run home run, and now it's a one-run game. And when it's a one-run game, you see that his pitch selection is different. He starts painting the corners. He starts pitching differently. So I... I've heard, I think somebody on the broadcast had brought this up. That is a sign of a guy who doesn't care about his numbers. All he cares about is getting the win. I think it was Hershiser who said that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's just the closer's mentality. I mean, you even saw it with, with Kenley when he was here. If they came in in a non safe situation, they usually end up giving up some runs. And kind of we've seen that with Kimbrell as well. And, and he's not closing. You know, he's, he's, not doesn't seem like you know it or or if, or if this you know if it's not a safe situation it's he's not it seems like he's pitching a little differently yeah but you know it, it is just very interesting to see how they're handling it 
as I said, as I mentioned before, I, it seems that Dodger fans always are searching for blood, somebody that they can point the finger to, somebody that they can hold accountable for the Dodgers disappointing them and not winning a game. We had mentioned Dave Roberts was one of them. Another one, I think, this week was Gavin Lux. Uh, Gavin Lux, uh, to me, and this is the beauty of baseball, right? The ability to redeem yourself. He had made that costly error. I I mean, look, here's the thing. Gavin Lux, to me, is in the major leagues because of his bat, right? He's not there because of his glove. And obviously, um, this guy's getting moved around, which is – I think a tribute to guys like Chris Taylor who play multiple positions and are very dependable defensively no matter where you put them. Whether you put Taylor out in the outfield or you put him in the infield, I trust that if the ball's hit to that guy, he's going to make the play. I don't have that same level of trust in Gavin Lux, but I don't know that Gavin Lux was an elite defensive player to begin with. So the fact that everybody was harping on Lux why, you know, Lux cost us the game. And then what happened on Sunday? His bat made up for that error, and he won the game. And all of a sudden, I mean, up until that point, everybody wanted Lux sent back down to the minors or they wanted him traded. He gets that hit. Oh, I never had a doubt in my mind. Lux is my boy. I mean, I think this is what we're going to have to deal with with Gavin Lux for the rest of the season. He's defensively, he is, he's, he's going to be a risk out there, but you just hope that his bat will make up for those runs. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, I, I told you guys, I mean, it, it got frustrating with Lux making that error. And, you know, if, you know, and, and he started hot, you know, he started off hot and he's considerably cooled down. So his bat hasn't even been, you know, that, that great either. And then, you know, he, Looked like he's going to cost them that game. And then he hits that home run. So it's like, yes, hallelujah. You know, like now he did something to redeem himself. And, you know, we mentioned this earlier in the season. This is the year that Gavin Lux has to prove himself that he belongs on this team and, you know, in the big leagues. You know, he's got a spot, you know, you know, playing some seconds, some left. You know, they're kind of moving him around. But this is the season that he has to do something. If, it, if it's for his bat. He has to do it with the bat. You know, if he's going to have, you know, if it's not the strongest glove, okay, but, you know, we got we to gotta see something from that bat. And, you know, hopefully he can kind of get back to how we started off the season and, you know, kind of just be consistent at the plate. You know, and I think since Sunday, too, he's had a couple big hits. So hopefully he's getting back on track. Do you think he would benefit from just playing one position? Like if he clearly had one position and that and that I and I know this is not going to work because that's not how the da- the Dodgers philosophy is. The Dodgers like those guys that can play multiple positions. But I wonder if he's a guy that just needs that routine. If he's a guy that because I mean, when they put him in left, he dropped that fly ball that luckily was in foul territory. And I just like rolled my eyes because I was just like, oh, this poor guy. I mean, it wasn't bad enough that he made that error. People are going to hate him even more now because he made that. I, I just wonder if the, if he would benefit defensively if they just stuck to one position with him. Yeah, I mean, I think if they did do that, I think I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him more maybe at second because um, I see him more as a, as a middle infielder. I mean, he, he was a, you know, shortstop for the, you know, he's when he's coming up. And so maybe that would help him knowing that, okay, I'm playing second base every day. Um, you know, kind of, he's getting, he has that consistency, you know, to, you know, with the bat and, you know, get that feel at second base, you know, just to, if he's out there every day, you know, he kind of knows, you know, who he's playing with at short and kind of gets a feel for, you know, the position a little better and, you know, you know, Try it out for a bit and see how he does. I mean, I think it, it could only help. I mean, the guy's hitting 260. Would you take that? If I told you at the beginning of the year, Gavin Lux is going to hit 260. Would you take that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now, I mean, nowadays, kind of, that's kind of the norm, right? Like, you know, yeah. if, a guy, if a guy hits like 260, 250, you're like, okay, that's pretty good, right? When, you know, as a couple years ago, like, really, 260? Yeah, okay, whatever. But like, I mean, I mean, if he can, if if like I said, if he can hit around there, you know, get his timely hits, get those, 
you know, knocking some runs, you know, you'll take it from them, you know? No, absolutely. So the Dodgers were able to salvage one game in that four-game set against the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think maybe that come-from-behind win on Sunday, thanks to Gavin Lux, might have uh, turned something around for the Dodgers because then they went ahead and proceeded to sweep the the Diamondbacks of Arizona. And I, I cannot stress enough for them to play four games in that short span, I, I mean, that was like, just a nightmare schedule. Like under the, 48 hours, right? Like, Well, three games in under like 48 hours. Yeah. And it was just with a depleted pitching staff. I did not expect that. And the, the Diamondbacks pitchers, they're starting pitching. They have some guys that have really strong ERAs. So that series made me really, really nervous. But then you realize that Arizona struggles to score runs and that their bullpen is not their starting pitching. The, the, the bullpen is a weak spot for the Arizona Diamondbacks. What stood out for you in that Diamondbacks series? I mean, I hate seeing this. You know, I hate when, they, when they're down early, you know, when, when the team scores on them in the first inning. But, you know, we see that, they, you know, they, they come back. They come back and they're able to score. And I saw a little bit more that, you know, Dodgers are kind of have been that big inning. You know, they'll get, you know, maybe in the fourth or fifth inning, they'll score a bunch of runs, and then they're pretty much quiet the rest of the game. Um, in this Arizona series, it seemed like they had more multiple innings where they were scoring. They were still scoring pretty big, but they were scoring on multiple innings. So that's kind of something that I want to see, you know, continue going forward um, where they're not just, you know, it's just not one big inning. And that's it. You know, that, you know, if they spread it out, you know, a couple innings, they get a couple runs here and there. I think it, it's going to, you know, keep, keep going, you know, take that into the next series in Philadelphia. Well, you, you know what? Uh, I think it's very encouraging to see that the Dodgers offense, the way they reacted in that series against the Diamondbacks, because as I said, uh, those start the the Diamondbacks starting pitching uh, is pretty strong. So for them to put up uh, runs up against them, I think is very encouraging. That we're maybe just going to see a little more consistency out of this offense, and 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 maybe now they're going to get uh, it's the beginning of a run, right? They've they've won five straight, and they're going to go on this road trip now. We've said this all along that they really haven't been playing great, but as this episode drops. The Dodgers are still in first place, and they have the best record in the National League. They're a game up on the pod, the show pods. So, I, you know, I think it's encouraging. I, I, I want to see how they react to the road trip because they don't. There's always. I mean, they got the Nationals on here, and I know we're going to get to this later, but. They always seem to have a letdown. We saw it in Pittsburgh. We saw it on the first go-around with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the fact that that national series, those last three games, are taking place before they come back home, that makes me a little nervous that we're going to see another letdown. But, I, hey, I again, I'm going to give you another opportunity right now to apologize to this man, but the Catman pitched a hell of a game. And, and he looked good. But again, he's a guy that I feel looks better at home. But are you seeing any signs of consistency? Is, is the Catman making you change your mind? Are you thinking maybe he can? This is his breakout year? I mean, I think, like I said, I've, I've always said the Catman is a pretty good pitcher. Um, he just has that, that inning that really screws him up. Um, last couple of starts. Not as bad, so you, th- those innings aren't as bad. So he's like I said, I still think I still think he can get into the sixth, and maybe even like you know, like Anderson did get into the seventh. I still think he can do that if he, you know he controls his pitch count throughout the game. You know he's, you know if he stays away from that that bad inning, you know I think you know he, he can do it. So let's see how you know, like I said, let's see how he does on the road, um, where he has have had a little bit more trouble than, you know, when he's at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like what he, what he's been doing the last couple, last couple outings. So I, you know, I hope he continues to do that. And it's really interesting, right? Because we sit here and we say, Oh, he struggles on the road. The guy's ERA is still under two. 
<laughs> I, I mean, his ERA went up in this last game because going into this last game, his ERA was 1.33. His ERA now is 1.64. So I just want to remind our listeners again, yes, we're sitting here complaining about a guy whose ERA is under two. So, yeah. And I think in large part is because we haven't seen that large sample size. You know, yeah. so it's, it's been like, you know, for the most part, even on the road, you know, he's got, he'd go three innings, four innings. So it's it's a small sample because, again, because he'd have that one inning where he'd get into trouble and, you know, use, you know, 30, 40 pitches. So, so like I said, you know, we'll see how he does on this trip. Um, but, you know, speaking of the trip, you know, they're going to start in Philadelphia. And normally, you know, we'd see that on the on the schedule. And, and you know, Philadelphia is what they're – under 500 right now or about 500 right they are and that's right. what cracks me up right that that the phillies are under 500 but the way they handled yeah. the dodgers at dodger stadium i was surprised that this team is under 500 yeah so so now you normally would think oh, okay yeah they should go in there and win two out of three or even even sweep right but the, yeah the way they came in and, and manhandled the dodgers last weekend now i think the Dodgers are going to be a little bit more up for this series, you know, maybe a little bit more pumped up to trying to go in there and, and get a little bit of payback for what they did to them, you know, here in LA. So hopefully, you know, they go out and they come out, you know, ready to go. And I mean, the Padres just won and went in there and won two out of three from them. So it's like, what happened? You know, was, I mean, did the Phillies just come in a super hot? I mean, I know Bryce Harper came in like on fire and just, and with a, you know, messed up with a messed up arm, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he just like lit them up. And it's kind of weird too, because we saw Bryce Harper and then we saw Walker coming from the, from the D backs and kind of did the same thing to the Dodgers. He kind of just lit them up too. It's like, like what's going on here. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully Harper may be out a couple games in this series that we don't have to see him. So, you know, take that bat out of the lineup and hopefully the Dodgers can kind of bounce back in Philadelphia. Let me ask you this, because, of course, in that Philadelphia series, I all I kept saying to myself was, well, how come the humidor is not affecting the Phillies? Why aren't the Phillies getting affected by this dead ball? They didn't seem to have any problems hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That game that Julio pitched, he gave up four home runs in that game. I, does it is it concerning to you that the Dodgers – are not hitting home runs. I I, I heard a stat. Uh, it was on the last. It was on the Spectrum Sports Net. <coughs> it pointed out that there hasn't been a team, a Dodgers team, that has been so non-reliant on the home run ball since like the nineties. So the fact that these guys are not hitting for power is that concerning to you? I, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this right now. The the Dodgers' home run leader this season is Mookie Betts with eight home runs. This is the same Mookie Betts that we were all freaking out about because he had a, a slow start. If we project this over the rest of the season, that means the highest guy on the Dodgers is probably maybe going to get to 30 home runs. And that's just not something that we've seen in the last few years. Other than that, everybody else, the next highest after Mookie with five home runs, and let me stop you here, is Cody Pellinger, a guy who is hitting 205 right now, a guy who has seemed to struggle since being named the NL Player of the Week. Tell me, the, the lack of power, is that concerning to you? I mean... Not so much, as long as, you know, they're getting their hits. I mean, we have a guy like Freeman who had, like, three doubles in one game, right? And, I mean, Freeman has, hasn't even had that many home runs. I think were his only home runs against the Braves. He uh, has four home runs. Okay. He has four home runs. Then he had, like, two of them against the Braves, right? <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah. So, you know, I know the last couple of seasons, you know, they've had, like, record-setting, like, home run numbers for the club. You know, and them not being as reliant. I mean, I think that's one of the things, too, that a lot of people the last couple of seasons have been saying, like, this team is just home run reliant, right? It's like, you know, go big or go home, right? So they're right. always trying to get the home run. So I think if, if they're showing other ways of scoring, 
I mean, that's better, you know, right? It's, it's, uh, I'll take that, right? I mean, of course, yeah, you want to see the home run when, when they kind of need it. But, you know, if they're, they're scoring with doubles and triples, hey, you know, I'll take that all day. And it's funny because we sit here, we're, 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 we're talking about, well, the Dodgers don't hit home runs. The Dodgers' offense is inconsistency. What is the team that leads all of Major League Baseball and run differential right now? Your Los Angeles Dodgers. So, again, this is all like, say what you will, the numbers don't lie or the numbers will tell you whatever story that you want to tell. I think the eye test, if you look at this team, we all think, well, they're not clicking on all cylinders yet. And Alonzo has said this before. If this team is not clicking on all cylinders now, how scary are they going to look once they are clicking on all cylinders? Yeah, I mean – I mean, because like, yeah, you said it. I mean, Belly, you know, Belly's gotten a couple big hits here and there, but he's he's still not what we're expecting of Bellinger, right? right? He's still not there. Turner isn't hitting like he was hitting last season, leading mm-hmm. the league. He's not there yet. Muncy's that's, not that's there That's Trey yet. Turner. Yeah, you're, yeah you're Trey Turner. Trey, Justin Turner is actually starting to, to – he hasn't been, but his last couple games looks like he's kind of starting to get back to where Justin Turner should be at. Max Muncy isn't where he should be at, you know, until in a couple of weeks ago, you know, Mookie Betts wasn't there. And Mookie yeah. now, Mookie's, Mookie's now, he's 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 on fire. He's been tearing it up the last couple of games. So, you know, we've had Mookie, you know, Freeman's always getting his hits. Um, Will Smith, he's had a couple big hits. You know, I guess he's having his normal Will Smith year. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen when we see Muncy? And you know Bellinger and you know Trey Turner start to get it going. I mean, yeah, that's pretty scary. And you know, and maybe this, and and I keep it. It's funny. I keep harping on Jeff Passan, right? Because he made that comment that this is going to be the greatest lineup of, of all time, right? But maybe that's what this lineup is. It's a lineup that doesn't depend on one person to carry you. This is going to be a lineup where maybe if you look at it. There no not one person's numbers are gonna stand out and be like, oh wow, they're having a monster year. But every night it's a different guy who's beating you. And it, that's gotta be really, really tough for another team to sit there and be like, Man, all right, we're not gonna pitch to this guy. Now this guy beats us. All right, we're not gonna let this guy beat us, and now this other guy in the lineup beats us. So maybe this is just all a good thing for the Dodgers that it's spread out through the lineup. And and who else had a really good week in the last couple of games as well? Someone you don't even expect? Eddie Rios. Yes. I mean, Edwin Rios is coming off the bench and hitting bombs and, and like being productive. And, and even Freeman said it the other day. It is super hard for a guy that isn't in the lineup every day and not knowing when he's going to play to come out and produce like this. And, and he's been doing this his entire career. I mean, he's come off the bench and he hits bombs. You know, last year we were like, what the heck is wrong with it? Edwin Rios, but he had a busted shoulder. You know, so now he's healthy and he's doing it. And I, I think I saw a stat before prior to last season, like he was averaging like like ele- every 11 or 12 at-bats he was in a home run. You know what he's doing now? It's like every nine at-bats. <laughs> that, that's why they call him Babe Rios. He is yeah. Babe Rios. I, 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 it's a tribute. I, I wonder if he is just one of those guys, and and, and it's really interesting to me. And to me, if he's just one of those guys that he is tailor made for this, for this, I, I don't want to even call it a utility role because really, all he is is a DH and a third baseman. But being a bench player. I feel like he just has the mentality. He is really successful in that role. And we've seen, and especially players that have played with the Dodgers, that were bench players that wanted to be everyday players and just don't, the success does not translate. And I know everyone, just say it, Juan, just say it. We're talking about our friend Kike Hernandez. Kike seems to be struggling in Boston right now, right? Uh, in terms of, I don't know if Jock is an everyday player, but these are guys that wanted to be everyday players, and that's why they left the Dodgers. And look, you got to have that mentality, right? You you want to be able to play 
do you want to play every day? That's how you, that's how your belief in you. So the fact that Rios does this and he's making it look easy, like what he's doing is really, really hard, man, to sit on the bench. And then you got to come in and sometimes you're facing guys that are throwing a hundred miles an hour and you just got in the game. I, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I don't give that man his flowers because I just, uh, I am thoroughly impressed with Babe Rios. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, with what Rios is doing, I mean, yeah, he's doing it now. And like you you mentioned it, I mean, the Dodgers kind of have a history of doing this with guys, right? You know, Kike excelled when he was coming off the bench and putting him wherever and, and, and putting him in situation. He excelled. You know, Jock would do the same thing. Um, even CT3, you know, before he kind of got more consistent playing time. I mean, we... This is kind of something that you've seen the Dodgers do. And I think we didn't, they didn't really have it last season. You know, we thought like Zach McKinstry was going to kind of do right. that at the beginning of the season. He started out hot and then he got hurt. And then, you know, that, that kind of, they didn't really have a bench last year. So, you know, we're seeing it with Rios. You know, maybe, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, Hanser seems like he's a pretty consistent hitter. So hopefully he, he can come in do and, and do the same thing when he gets his chance as well. Absolutely. So let, let's switch gears. I, I want to get your opinion on this. I, I found it very interesting because we finally had a David Price sighting. And we talked about this on a previous episode where there was this rumor that the Dodgers were thinking of trading David Price. And I thought maybe there might be some legitimacy to that rumor because of the fact that David Price just hasn't been pitching. And, and, and the reason why David Price hasn't been pitching is because David Price had COVID, right? So they were giving him the time to recuperate from COVID. But then there were some comments in the paper from David Price saying that he's ready. It's up to the Dodgers. It's up to the Dodgers to, to use me whenever I'm using and whenever they, they need me. I find it very interesting in the fact that they have been struggling, especially this stretch. Kershaw goes down. They're having a hard time getting pitching length from their starters. And, you know, they're sending pitchers down and they're bringing up new pitchers because the bullpen is getting a lot of work. But yet David Price, who is a former starter, and I get it that he's been now transitioned into a reliever role. But wouldn't you leverage what you can out of David Price for right now until maybe you can get healthy or you can, you know, maybe get some some help down the line? Because Say what you will, you know, Ryan Pepe, I don't think is ready yet. You know, I, we've seen him twice now. He seems to have issues with his control. So I don't know if we can depend on Pepe. I, Michael Grove, I think maybe Michael Grove deserves to get another shot and see what we can do. Michael Grove was a victim, of course, of, of bad defense. So I'm wondering if, if he gets some solid defense behind him, can growth maybe give you a few quality starts to try to get some, some, you know, some time to buy some time. I mean, it was just reported Kershaw still hasn't thrown a bullpen session. Now, if you hear the Spectrum Sportsnet LA guys, they're all talking about just save Kershaw until after the all-star break. So if you're not going to bring Kershaw back until the all-star break, you're really just going to ride with Bueller and Urias. And then you got to hope that Gonsolin finally steps up and he takes that next step. Tyler Anderson is who Tyler Anderson is. And then you have that fifth spot. So why not get David Price a shot? Why not try to stretch him out and see if he can be that fifth starter? Do you, do you find the way the Dodgers are, are handling David Price odd at all? Like, did David Price just do something, or is it the writing on the wall? The Dodgers clearly do not want David Price on this team. I mean, it does feel like there is something. I mean, he, you know, he had the COVID. You know, he came back from the COVID, and then he he went to Chicago because he wanted to go to Chicago because he had never been there. So he went with the team, but he was cleared. You know, he was, and then he said he was. They said they were going to rehab him, and then I think he did. Did he do rehab? I never heard of anybody saying that he pitched anywhere for, for a rehab. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just like back sessions in Arizona or what happened. But then, and then they finally they finally bring him back, right? Yeah. And then and then they bring him in in like a high leverage situation, right? Yeah. And, and he and he gets out of it and he gets out of that inning. So it's like, 
it's kind of odd, yeah, like like how they've used him. I mean, I don't see them stretching him out to be a starter again. Uh-huh. I just I just don't think that they think maybe he doesn't have that in him anymore. Um, I just don't see them doing that. I mean, he's going to be maybe that one-inning guy, maybe two-inning guy at best. And as they've used him, you know, ever since he's been here, it's like you don't see him like, every two to three days you see him like maybe once a week if that yeah he gets the Kimbrel treatment it's like david price comes out and you're not going to see him for another week yeah so it's it is odd i mean it is it is odd i mean why they use him that way um you know it's it's just it it is what it is do you think uh they're going to keep pepio up um i think yeah i mean Right now, while Kershaw's down, I think I mean they need those starters. You know, they need they need. So you think Pepio right now is the fifth guy? Uh, yeah, it's probably. I think it might be. You know, him and Grove. Maybe they might bounce them back a couple times, and then maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. You know, a little bit down. Maybe in a couple of weeks, you know, we might see. Uh, you know, Bobby Miller. You know, I think uh, he had a, he had a nice little showdown. Uh, I think this past week with uh, Lighter. With, so that was a, a high, high intense matchup down in the double A. Well, you know, and it, I look, I find it interesting because one of the things that we we and I I know I'm going to butcher this. I, I keep going back and forth with the pronunciation uh, of his name, but Conley Ken Ken Conley Conley, Conley he's down now because he. He dealt so. So the Dodgers signed a lot of projects, and not just in project, but in terms of health. We still haven't gotten any updates on Heaney. We don't know if Heaney's going to come back. Well, Danny, he, actually, Heaney did. He, threw, I think, he threw a uh, bullpen just the other day, um, and he said he should be back within weeks. There was kind of speculation that it might be a couple months still, mm-hmm. and he said he should be back within weeks. So whether that's you know three four weeks. You know, we'll see. And, and and hopefully he can keep the way he started, you know, the, the season. I mean, if Heaney comes back and all of a sudden – my concern is is if Heaney comes back and he's not healthy and then he just starts getting bombed, what that's going to do to Heaney. But uh, the, the, the thing that I was trying to get at is the Dodgers signed all these guys like Danny Duffy – who I don't think is going to be ready until the second half of the season is still rehabbing somewhere. So you have all these guys that they stocked, they stocked up. And now I'm just wondering, are they even going to be able to use any of these guys? I look, we asked a lot of Rizzo this, the, the injuries to the, to a very thin rotation. I'm, I'm very curious if they really thought, you know, that Bauer was going to be coming back. And that's why they didn't do it. I, I, I mean, eventually, unless these young guys, I, I'm concerned that they're speeding up the timeline on these guys. And you're going to have Bobby Miller come up here, and Bobby Miller's going to look like Pepio, where it's going to be like he's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. Like, what if Pepio can get his control? That I, I want to see what that Pepio looks like. I want to see a Pepio who can cut down the number of pitches, cut down on, on the basis of balls, and see what that does, if, if teams will hit him or if it's going to be like one of those Gonsolin effects. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the Dodgers' plan is kind of get through the first half and kind of they're waiting for that second half because they'll have reinforcements. You know, Duffy, uh, Dustin May, we should probably see him in the second half of this season. Come back. You said you really think Dustin May is coming in the second half? I, I think so. I mean, he's posted stuff where he's out already. You know, he's he's throwing bullpens. He's he's getting ready. I, I think we'll see him. You know, towards the end of this year. So you know, it'd, it'd be good to to get Dustin May back in there. You know, Caleb Ferguson just came back, and then they sent him back the next day. But um, so these, you know, they're getting some of their guys back. You know, we'll see what happens with 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 Canely. Um, hopefully, it's not another. You know arm situation with him um you know and trinan got put up on the 60 d 60 game yeah. dl so we're not going to see trinan until like after the all-star break as well either um and, and i think that's a big f i think that's a big f i i just don't think we can count on trinan coming back yeah i mean uh, i think yeah it's going to be something like uh you know how they they treated uh 
some of their pitchers last season. I think, um, and yeah, with Kershaw too. I mean, I, I don't think we see Kershaw for at least another month, month and a month and a half. And it's and, and it's and it's pretty sad too because a lot of people, were, the way he was pitching, they were yeah, they were kind of speculating like, hey, you know what, Kersh could get to start at Dodger Stadium for the All Star game, and it looks like that that's probably not going to happen now either. His ERA was one point eight eight zero before he went down. I mean, he was he was looking great. He was absolutely great. So yeah, it's it's very disappointing that that guy uh, got the injury that he went down the way he did. Um, one of the other things I want to transition to uh, talking about rumors that we had talk, uh, heard about David Price. All of a sudden, I I look on social media and there's this rumor about Juan Soto. And the Dodgers trading for Juan Soto. And then you see all these ridiculous, you know, trade scenarios. I mean, to get Juan Soto, the Dodgers are going to have to give up so much. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Juan Soto. But to get Juan Soto, you're going to have to give up your depth. And the seeing the way this season has start, has gone so far, you need depth. Because if these guys go down, I mean, what are you going to do? If Juan Soto goes down and you have nothing to replace him with, how are you going to get by? And to get Juan Soto, it's probably going to be the big names that you hear. It's going to be the Vargas. It's going to be the Pajes. You know, it's going to be those big prospects to get it. So, I mean, how? tell me, how did this Juan Soto whole thing start up? And do you, I mean, is this... Is this even something you would want to pursue? Now, you know what about this Juan Soto thing? You know, you know what really irritates me and pisses me off about this Juan Soto thing? Go ahead. You dummy know. Let it all out. I, I saw I saw images on, on Instagram and the internet today. Juan Soto in a Dodgers uniform wearing 22. <laughs> now, come on. If you're going to Photoshop Juan Soto in a Dodger uniform, don't put him in 22 because we all know what 22 belongs to. At least give him like 23 or something. Right? Are, are you saying that's lazy Photoshopping skills? That's, Is that what you're I mean, if you're going to go all the way and Photoshop him in a Dodger uniform, you can't change his number. Come on. Huh? Right? I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just completely baffled by this. I'm, I'm just like, why? Is, was it such a slow news day that we had to come up with this? I, I get it. It seems like maybe the Nationals don't want to pay that guy. And we've seen it, right, where a team gives a ridiculous amount of money to one player and then it just handcuffs them for, you know, everything else. I mean, Soto is going to cost so much in trade value and so much in in a free agent contract. It's ridiculous. I mean, what? how much time does he have left with the Nationals? Like, has he got like two, three, two, three years left? I, I do feel that he is locked up for a little bit more. So, right. but I, I do, th- the Nationals, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they did make an effort to try to extend him I mean, to a long contract and he turned it down. But his, his, his numbers, once he goes to arbitration, right, they're going to be pretty high already. He's going to be getting what? Like, is he in arbitration? Yeah, well, he right. signed, he signed a one year deal. Uh, for $17 million. So he technically is not a free agent until 2025. So next year he is arbitration eligible. Uh, Yeah. So he hasn't, he hasn't even gotten arbitration. They gave, they made him the one year deal, you know, 17 million. So once he gets to arbitration, I mean, I think he's probably going to break the record for arbitration. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, so he's going to be up there, you know, 25, 30 million while in arbitration. So imagine what he's going to get. As a free agent, I mean, he's going to, people are already saying he's going to probably be, you know, like 500 million. And that's, <laughs> and we're talking about his first year of arbitration because then the following year, he'll be eligible for arbitration again. So uh, it's, uh, so I mean, I don't even see what type of a trade, I mean, can even be offered for him. It's like, what are you going to give up? I mean, you're number one, number two, and number three prospect in your organization for him it's like i mean what what, there's like what are you going to give up for him no i i mean i i love what the dodgers are doing and as much i look i am a big juan soto fan i would love to see juan soto on the dodgers but i love what the dodgers are doing they got that farm system where they got these guys that are coming up i'm very excited to see vargas 
Michael Bush is a guy that we don't talk about. These are all guys that are going to be under control and they 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 fill multiple positions because Justin Turner is towards the end of it. Vargas looks like he's going to be your third baseman of the future. If Gavin Lux is going to be a utility guy, Michael Bush might be your second baseman of the future. I love that the Dodgers had this all set up. And look, when we had Alana Rizzo on the show, she said it. The Dodgers are doing this without blowing up their farm system. To get Juan Soto, you're going to have to blow up your farm system. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you're number one, number two, number three. And who are those guys? Bobby Miller, Vargas, Bush. Those are all your top three guys. So yeah. are you going to give them up for Juan Soto? I don't think the Dodgers are going to do that. No, I, I, I don't. I just I, I find it hilarious that I, I, how these things get started and just, yes, the Photoshopping of him wearing 22, I, I know was very upsetting to you. Yeah. You, you don't think Kershaw would let him wear 22? Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so if Kershaw leaves and is pitching for the Rangers next year, you don't think Soto could wear 22? No, I mean, I think as soon as Kershaw leaves, that number gets retired, kind of like Fernando. Unofficially so, retired yeah, until it is, yeah. because Kershaw's number will be retired. Valenzuela's will never be retired for some reason, because he must have just pissed somebody off in the Dodgers organization. Retire 34, shirts available on bleedlos.com. Go check it out. Uh, I want to segue before we start wrapping things out, uh, wrapping things up. So our sponsor, uh, Bet Online, put something out uh, about World Series odds. I don't know if you saw this, Babyface, but so the Dodgers are still the favorite, right? The Dodgers are still the favorite, uh, but there was a team that just entered the World Series right now. They're way down. They're at like plus sixteen hundred, but. It was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County. And I've seen a lot of love for the Angels. And our friend of the show, uh, the friend of the carne asada, Dylan Hernandez, wrote an article saying that the Angels were the more exciting team to, to watch in Los Angeles. Now, let's give Dylan credit. Dylan said the Dodgers are still the better team, but that the Angels were the most exciting team. So I'm wondering if the fact that the the Angels are coming up here in these new odds, if people are just really drinking the Kool-Aid on the Angels and buying into that excitement. I mean, look, what's not to be excited about? They have guys like Shohei Otani. Uh, Taylor Ward is just like destroying the baseball. Anthony Rendon is healthy. They have an exciting lineup. You forgot Trout. And, and of course, Mike Trout, right? So – I, I get where people are coming from in all this stuff. Uh, I just, my question to you is this. I want to take a different angle uh, about this. Would it be better for the Dodgers if nobody talked about them? Like, is it better that everyone is falling in love right now with the, with the Angels or falling in love with the Mets, falling in love with these other teams? I mean, is it better for the Dodgers to just kind of stay under the radar? I mean, that's never going to happen, right? I mean, L.A., you know, second largest market, you know, the Dodgers, everything that the Dodgers do. I mean, obviously that's never going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, hey, you want to talk about the Mets? You want to talk about the Yankees? You know, Stanton that's just, like, tearing the ball up and tearing the cover off the ball and Judge is doing the same thing in New York. Um, yeah, I mean, Shohei's been tearing it up. I mean, we've never seen a player like Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Give them all the love, you know, but, you know. At wait, the wait, wait. What do you mean we've never seen a player like Shohei Otani? I mean, Luis Gonzalez, Luis Gonzalez pitched for the San Francisco Giants well, and hit a home run in the same game. That's the same thing that Shohei did. Well, I want to see him do it, you know, <laughs> a couple more games and then, you know, I'll start giving him some love. But, you know, you know, if, you know, if Dodgers want to go into the, you know, if, if you don't want to look at the Dodgers, kind of, this has kind of always been the same. The thing with the Dodgers, it's like, yeah, they're good, but you know, we we we're always talking about them. Like, let's talk about somebody else, right? And that's right. kind of always what it's been with the Dodgers. It's like we know the Dodgers are good. We know they got Freeman, they got Mookie, they got you know Muncy, you know, on and on and on Kershaw, right? But it's like, oh, okay, let's let's look at something new, kind of, and 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 that's new right now, right? You know, everybody wants to see the Angels relevant right with guys like Otani and Trout 
right? Everybody wants to see now the Mets relevant, you know, with all the money that they spent, you know, this offseason and new ownership, right? And Yankees, of course, right? Who doesn't want to see the Yankees relevant in baseball, right? Because when the Yankees are good, it's good for baseball, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, of course, you know, that's going to happen. You know, you know, Dodgers just have to do their thing. And if you don't want to pay attention to us, that's fine. You know, we'll, you know, once once it's a, the postseason, that's kind of when, you know, things will change. All right. So let's wrap things up on the show by previewing uh, the Dodgers road trip on the East Coast. So they're going to go three in Philadelphia and then three against the Nationals of Washington. So uh, this is going to be a payback, hopefully, for the Dodgers. The Dodgers lost three out of four to the Phillies here at Dodger Stadium. Hopefully they will uh, repay the favor, as Babyface mentioned earlier. The show pods just took two out of three in Philadelphia. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the Phillies were just hot for a couple of days. Maybe there was just that marine layer at Dodger Stadium was just not there. Hopefully the Dodgers can go ahead and bounce back. And then the Nationals are just not a very good team. But my concern is we've seen this story before in this this year. Again, as recent as Pittsburgh, the Dodgers seem to have a letdown against those bad teams. So before we predict what we think the Dodgers are going to do on this road trip, let's go ahead and recap our picks from last week. So last week, uh, both you and Alicia had the Dodgers going six and two, and then Alonso and myself had the Dodgers going five and three. So that made Alonso and I the winners. So let's go ahead and update the standings so far. So leading the, the pack right now with three points is myself because I'm the person who knows baseball the most on this show. Then in second is Alonzo with two points. And then Alicia and Roger have one point. So, and it's kind of ironic, too, that you're the one that's keeping score, right? Uh, hey, we have this recording. Go back to the episodes. We have it on the record. So... uh. We have Alonso and Alicia's picks, even though they're on assignment, they're not here. Alonso is predicting the Dodgers to go four and two. Uh, what do you have Alicia's picks as? She has the same four and two. Okay. I think uh, what she said. I think she said uh, losing one in each series. Okay. So, uh, do you want me to go first? To, since I control the board, I'll go first since I control the board. So, um. The fact that they're going into Philadelphia makes me a little nervous. So we're going to have Urias pitching uh, Friday night. And Urias got lit up by the Phillies. And then after that, it's uh, it's going to be interesting who the Dodgers throw. I don't know if it's going to be Gonsolin and Anderson, Anderson, and Gon- Anderson or then Gonsolin, or if they're going to go with a, a bullpen game, if we're going to see Pepio. So because of the pitching matchups just being a complete toss-up. I think the Phillies are going to win two out of three. And then I think the Dodgers are going to drop one to the Nationals. So I think this road trip is going to be the Dodgers are going to go three and three on this road trip. Go ahead, babyface. So I'm looking for them to bounce back against the Phillies. Uh, And they're going to win. They're going to win two out of three there. And, uh, and yeah, same same thing in Washington. Two out of three, so four four and two as well. Okay, so everyone except me is going with the Dodgers having a successful winning road trip for the uh, hater. Four and two. Hater. Hey, I hope I am wrong. I am hope I am wrong. I it just concerns me that this pitching staff right now is kind of. I don't want to say it's in shambles, but I just don't know what you're going to get. So. That that to me is is a little concerning. So that's going to wrap things up for us on the Bleed Lows podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I just uh, once again, Gustavo, I, I mean not Gustavo, I'm sorry, Alonso and uh, Alicia were on assignment. Hopefully, they will join us for the next episode. Uh, Babyface, is there something you want to say before we sign off? Uh, no, just uh, continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we should be doing a live show next week, uh, next Wednesday. What's that? Wednesday, the, was it the 19th? No, the 20, 25th. 
That yes, correct? that is correct. So uh, look for that. Uh, we're going live that day as well. So, uh, and you never know who's going to drop by the carne asada. So uh, we have a couple uh, flyers out there for uh, whoever wants to join us. So, absolutely. So make sure you follow us. Enter the the contest. Follow us. Subscribe on YouTube. Oh, yeah. yeah, we have that contest going on for subscribing to YouTube. Uh, we got a a Julio uh, bobblehead. Uh, for giveaway, <clears throat> somebody I, I don't know if you you go to more TJ more than I do. Do they have like a statue that they sell at, at, as you're coming across the border of Julio? Somebody somebody wrote that as a comment. Uh, no, we <laughs> might have to go to TJ and, and do an investigative report on that yeah, to so, find out about that. Yeah, so that'd be kind of cool. Okay, well that's going to do it for this week's episode. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast was presented by Bet Online. Uh, so make sure you guys are. Inform bet online that's where the game starts uh check out their website and sign up on your mobile device use the promo code so for this week on the carne asada this has been myself and uh, babyface adios senoras y senores Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.